Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Cover Zero podcast, the show where I cover the least in the best way possible. I'm your host, Jason Wells. That is it. Season is done. Season is wrapped up, and we got a fantastic game out of it. One of the better Super Bowls. I mean, last year's was obviously fantastic, but we got another very, very good one. And I'll be the first to say it. I bet on Brock Purdy instead of Patrick Mahomes. Now, obviously, a lot to talk about in this game, a lot to talk about the season for the Chiefs, season for the Niners, Um, because obviously, Pat Mahomes was not the main reason this team won, that Chiefs defense was incredible, and again, we will get into all of that right now, but after watching that game, seeing Mahomes win his third Super Bowl back-to-back now, um, I couldn't help but feel a little sad. A little sad for the fact that the season is done. We now have to wait until September to get NFL back in our lives, to get Scott Hansen saying seven hours of commercial-free football. No, but I was sad because it is so damn tough to win in the AFC, especially right now. Just look at all of these quarterbacks that are here. So we got Mahomes, our generation's Brady, some generation's Montana, He's that type of guy right now, but we got Mahomes. There's the two-time MVP, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, CJ Stroud now. Obviously, still some debate over Trevor Lawrence or guys like Tua. Anthony Richardson's hanging around. Um, It's tough. Justin Herbert, obviously. That wasn't actually a shot at Justin Herbert. He was just one of the last QBs that came to my mind. Would you look at that? Um, But yeah, it's just, it's tough to win in the AFC and it sucks, we get rid of Brady, and here comes Mahomes to just kind of take that torch and being like, hey, it's my turn to run the AFC, and I'm going to do it until I'm done. Um, Either way, this episode, um, obviously going to be recapping everything Super Bowl, lots and lots to talk about, Um, and obviously start off with the NFL Weekly Update, but before I do that, because I just remembered... This is officially my 100th episode of doing this show. I'm honestly very proud of myself that I got to 100 episodes. It's something, I mean, I've been doing, I took a couple weeks off when I went to Europe there, but uh, last year, but it's something that I'm happy to do and happy to kind of have this little bit of a hobby that's fun to just talk about football every week, even though, you know, there's not that many people listening. I do appreciate each and every one of you who listens, even you, Chu. I know that you hate listen a lot of the time, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, yeah, I'm happy and I'm going to keep doing this. I really enjoy doing this and this is something that it's a new skill. I mean, I do video editing. I do some little graphics here and there. It's fun for me. It's fun for me. So, 100 episodes, here's to 100 more, Um, but let's start off with the NFL Weekly Update. Okay, so NFL Weekly Update, obviously we got a couple things to cover before we get over to all the Super Bowl news. Starting off with NFL Awards, it was official. Um, We had CMC Offensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett Defensive Player of the Year, 
uh, CJ Stroud, Rookie of the Year, in kind of a convincing fashion over Puka. I was shocked that it was that much of a blowout. I thought Puka would at least get a couple more first place votes, but is what it is. Uh, Will Anderson, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and Lamar, obviously the MVP. And lot, some people are kind of upset about Lamar. So he was one vote away from a unanimous MVP, something that hasn't doesn't happen very often. And Obviously, it's something, and one person voted for Josh Allen. Um, but honestly, like Lamar didn't deserve a unanimous MVP. Was he the MVP of this season? Of course. But if you compare, and Cam and I, Cam Keegan and I talked about it on the last episode, where if you compare Lamar's 2019 MVP season to this one, it looks like he's had a regression to some level. Obviously, he's still very good, just didn't need to do as much this year as he did for that other Ravens team, but... Um, this wasn't a knock in the park, slam dunk. Oh, he's the only real MVP choice. There was a lot of good candidates out there, but yeah, Lamar, let's just put that to bed. Lamar did not deserve a unanimous vote at MVP and the award that we didn't really talk about last episode. Uh, we glossed over it because of course, Damar Hamlin was going to win. Um, uh, of course he was going to win the, uh, comeback player of the year. No, he did not. Joe Flacco ended up doing it. Joe Flacco in his five games in the season come back from being old, being ass, being off the couch. And not a knock to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco played really well. He obviously brought the Browns to the playoffs. And great job, Joe. But wild, I mean, because the voting were, like, DeMar did get the most first-place votes, but Joe Flacco got enough first place votes and then just and like all of the second place votes basically to win the award. He just had more total points in that scoring system that the NFL does. And wild that the guy who died on the field lost Joe Flacco in his five games for being ass. Um, now, I was definitely on the DeMar shouldn't win the award if he doesn't play, but... I didn't think that there was a possibility of that even happen. I just thought it was like, oh, okay, he's going to win the award, but like he shouldn't. But crazy, crazy that Joe Flacco does end up winning it. Uh, good for Joe, I guess, but um, we'll keep going here. The NFL Hall of Fame was also announced. Um, the five nominees that got in from the current, not the senior nominees, but... We had Patrick Willis, we had Julius Peppers, we had Andre Johnson, we had, Dem not DeMarcus Ware, Dwight Freeney, and we had Devin Hester. Obviously, all of these guys, very, very deserving. I was shocked that, um, I think, Julius Peppers, first ballot, Andre Johnson, first ballot. Uh, I don't believe Dwight Freeney was first ballot. Someone I actually met who... I might have to throw find that picture, throw that up on the wall sometime. But um, I and Patrick Willis also, I don't not first ballot, but definitely deserving. Thought he was going to have to wait a little bit longer because he did only play, he played less than a decade. But I think Devin Hester in his third year of being eligible makes it. I'm honestly a little shocked. Now, Devin Hester absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He is the best to ever be a kick returner in the league punts and kickoffs uh he was a weapon now it also took 30 plus years for the first punter to make it into the hall of fame he was basically like i think after he made it into the hall of fame he died like four years later 
I thought Devin Hester was going to have to waste, wait at least 10 plus years to get in. Um, I guess that's kind of showing like the modern voter and everyone being like, no, Devin Hester has to get in. He should have had to wait. There are still guys like Reggie Wayne, like Tory Holt, Heinz Ward wasn't even a finalist this year. Like, I get that Hester was like the kickoff returner, but he didn't do anything else. Like, he was a special teamer. He got special teams, third of the game, kind of. Um, but I just thought that there would be more of a wait for him. He's obviously deserving to be in the hall, but getting in on what I think is his third opportunity is still a little wild to me. But nonetheless, congrats to all of those guys. Um, very good class. And again, it's weird seeing guys who I grew up watching now retire, now being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And now I can actually have a real opinion on how I found these guys playing. So um, we'll keep going here. Um, the Cowboys have found their new defensive coordinator, and it is Mike Zimmer. Um, Mike Zimmer was with the Cowboys from 94 to, I think, 06. Um then he was the Vikings head coach for a long time. And again, one of the better defensive minds, but he is old and he just seemed fed up fed up when he was in Minnesota those last few years. Very good mind, very good defensive mind. But again, I don't think that this is a hire that he's a dinosaur. He's one of the guys he's going to come in. He's going to do it his way. And that sometimes rubs players the wrong way, especially we are in a very player first league right now which does isn't always the best thing but it is what it is and you kind of have to play by those rules now um Dan Quinn is definitely a player's guy his players liked and respected him Mike Zimmer I think that people will respect him but they might not like him I think it's kind of like a Fangio situation with Miami last year very good defensive mind great defensive mind but there's a difference between like and respect, and sometimes that rubs players the wrong way, and we'll see, because this is a Dallas defense that has a lot of personalities on it right now, um, and like to play their kind of style. So we'll see how it works. I think it's all coming to an end. I mean, this time next year, I think we're going to talk about Mike McCarthy being out, and I think it would be the most Jerry Jones move ever to bring in Bill Belichick to be like, this guy won Super Bowls, so he can win me a Super Bowl, and... Potentially having it work, I don't know. Um, it's all about who Belichick puts on that staff, if we're being honest. But um, yeah, Mike Zimmer, Cowboys defensive coordinator. Um, we have some contract news. Tua Tagovailoa is currently seeking highest paid QB money in the league per his camp, per I think Ian Rappaport kind of confirmed it. Um, I... I get it, obviously, statistically-wise, over the last two years, he has proved that he can play at a top-10 level for a quarterback, uh, and it's all there statistically, but there's more to football than just stats. That's why we play the games, and in big moments down the stretch, Tua hasn't really been there, whether it be through injury or just not being great. Um, now, again, a lot of injuries happened on both sides of the ball for the Dolphins, and I do think a fully healthy Dolphins team would have been contending uh, in these playoffs this year. It just didn't happen. And I still, in the belief that Tua can be a top 10 quarterback, uh, it's just right now when 
I don't even consider him. He's not in my top 10 quarterbacks right now. It's a little wild to be like, yeah, let's give him that amount of money. Obviously, the cap goes up every single year, and who knows how long the deal is, but by the end of the deal, it'll be... He won't even be top five in QB money. So that's one way to look at it. But um, Tua Tagovailoa, highest paid quarterback in the league, doesn't really have a nice ring to it when it comes off the tongue. Um, Again, Tua's my guy. I think Tua can win this team a Super Bowl. Does he deserve to be the highest paid QB in the league? No. Will that change again immediately once like Trevor Lawrence gets that deal? Exactly. Do I think Trevor Lawrence deserves to be the highest paid QB in the league? No. There's only one guy who does, and he has probably one of the best contracts in football right now, and that is Mr. Patrick Mahomes, three-time Super Bowl champion. Um, Keep going here. Some uh, coaching hire news. Former players, too. Uh, Donta Hightower has joined the Patriots staff to be their new linebackers head coach. Obviously, Hightower, uh, three-time Super Bowl winner. Probably a Hall of Very Good candidate at some point. Um, yeah, he has obviously worked with the Patriots and within this organization for his entire career. He is a very smart player. I'm interested to see what his transition to coaching looks like. Um, obviously the players will respect him immediately, but, um, interesting hire. And I can just kind of say all those same stuff to a guy joining the Chargers staff, which is Navarro Bowman, um, was part of those early Niners teams with Pat Willis and Bowman, uh, the best linebacker tandem in the league at that point. Bowman made my Hall of Very Good last season. Um, Yeah, he's electric, left the Niners, went to go to the Raiders. Injuries kind of derailed his career, but uh, he is back. He is coaching now, and basically what I said for Hightower, I'm very interested to see how this works out. Both guys are going to be in the same role. I mean, it's what they played their entire career. careers at so um yeah those are the coaching hires keep moving on and we have some releases now that it is officially the offseason um the Steelers have released Mitch Trubisky uh Chooks Okafor and Presley Harvin um that leaves the all black team without any special teamers any kickers or punters on it now um we might have a shot. We might have a shot. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, this just basically frees up cap for them. Trubisky did not do what they kind of expected him to be. Former, I mean, first QB selected in that 2017 draft behind three-time Super Bowl champion Pat Mahomes. Uh, way to go, Bears. But, uh, yep, those guys were released, and we have a signing, actually. Uh, Matthew Betts out of the... Uh, CFL, former BC Lion, has signed with the Detroit Lions in the NFL. So a Laval product out of Montreal. Uh, Betts was the reigning CFL Defensive Player of the Year this year. Had 18 and a half sacks. Sounds a lot like Cameron Wake, if you ask me. Um, yeah, he was on the Bears practice squad in 2019. Went to the Elks and had this big season with the Lions. And now he is back in the NFL Um, he is 28 years old, so obviously he's kind of in his prime athletically right now, but hey, it's a guy in the CFL who put up very good numbers, uh, and he's probably making vet minimum right now. It's way more than he'd make in the CFL, but, uh, good for him. I think a smart move by the Lions, because it's like, you could have found, like, he could be a very good 
rotational pass rusher in the league. So, uh, big ups for the Lions, but also a big loss for the Lions. Okay, that'll do it for the NFL Weekly Update. Let's get over to this Super Bowl 58 recap. Chiefs 25, 49ers 22. Game went to overtime. And I don't know. I won't start off with... I'm just going to go team by team. I think it's easier that way. Um, We can talk about some of the mistakes kind of from both sides and who stepped up. So let's obviously start with the winner, start with the Chiefs. Um, Incredible. And I've already mentioned Pat Mahomes, three-time Super Bowl champion, multiple times throughout this episode. But I'm not starting with Pat Mahomes in this one. He does not deserve the credit for the Super Bowl. It is the defense. It is the... One of the best defenses all time, if you look at it. Um, I forget. It was the Chiefs have, surprisingly, one of the stats I didn't write down, but I think the Chiefs now, because of the 17-game schedule, have 20 games of holding teams under 25 points, and that's the most all time. It's one more than team like the, I think it was like the 1923, whoever the fuck, and the... 2000 Ravens defense, who is obviously one noted as, as one of the best defenses of, defenses of all time. But, um, yeah, they forced the, the Chiefs defense forced the number two, three, four, and six offenses who combined score 28 three points per game. Oh, I ended up getting rid of that stat. Damn it. This is not a great start. But, yeah, held those offenses who combines average 28.3 points a game to I think it was something like 15.6 or 15.3. Um, Steve Spagnola, like, you deserve your flowers. Now a four-time Super Bowl winner as a coordinator. He was part of that 07 Giants staff. Um, now his three Super Bowls with the Chiefs and... He did a fantastic job, whether it, I mean, through his zero blitzing, he used a lot of cover zero, shout out to the pod, um, used a lot of cover zero, blitzed well, disguised his blitz as well. Chris Jones was an absolute animal all night. It didn't really show up much on the stat sheet, but that's exactly the reason why Miles Garrett won his Defensive Player of the Year award, because it doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but Chris Jones had his hands on Brock Purdy so many times, forced him to throw the ball away, forced him to be uh, inaccurate, huge different maker, uh, all pro Trent McDuffie, uh, a couple key blocks, he was on Debo, he was on Kittle, uh, he was clamps all night, Legereus Sneed did his thing, uh, another Chiefs defensive line, Mike Pennell, he was also very good. Basically, the interior offensive line of the Niners, they crumbled to this Chiefs defensive lines and the pressures they were bringing, and it was too much. It was simply too much, but yes, this Chiefs defense does deserve the credit in this one for this season, for this run that they went on. Um, It was fantastic, so shout out to the Chiefs defense. Had to talk about you first, but now I guess let's just talk about the Chiefs offense and Pat Mahomes is now he's on pace people hate using on pace for anything but right now Pat Mahomes is 
a top three quarterback all time. I personally have him number two, but he is, again, I said at the top of the show, he's our generation's Tom Brady. He's like my dad's, our parents' generation's Joe Montana. He is special, and it is incredible to see what he has done in his first six years in the league so far, and he's probably got another... He's 28 right now. You would think he's got another seven very good, very elite years under him until some of that mobility maybe starts to go. But he is still a very good passer of the football. But for him to achieve that potential all-time greatness, he's going to have to play for a long-ass time, and he's going to have to take care of his body and know that, okay, I can't scramble anymore. So hang in the pocket, and I'm sure that once he gets to that stage of his life, that part of his game, he will be able to do that. I have no doubt in my mind about it, but Mahomes was, I mean, he did exactly what he needed to. He showed up exactly when he needed to in the big moments. It wasn't a great overall game for him. He did almost have 400 total yards of offense. He did lead his team in rushing, but uh, he showed up when it mattered. And a lot of times on those last final drives, it was him using his legs and scrambling for first downs when no one was really accounting for him. And I think that's kind of where someone like Dre Greenlaw for the Niners would have been a big help. But uh, And we'll get to that Dre Greenlaw injury in a bit because that was absolutely wild. Um, and it was fantastic. Like, I guess just back to Mahomes. And he was dealing with low snaps from one of the best centers in Creed Humphrey all night. And it's not something that I normally notice when I watch Chiefs games, but Mahomes gets the low snap and was able to make plays kind of off short vision. Uh, What am I trying to say here? He got the low snap and he was able to read the defenses correctly, basically in order to make the play. Um, And even in crunch time, MVS caught a ball would have been a second and short, and he decided to run seven yards backwards for whatever reason. Um, And then, yeah, they still managed to get that first down because he showed up when it mattered. Did he have a fantastic game through and through? He did not. But being clutch and showing up when it matters counts, and that's exactly what he did, and that's why he was the Super Bowl MVP. Now there's some debate, should it have went to Chris Jones? But again, it's tough when you have people who are just kind of box score watching a lot of the time to see a guy who doesn't have any sacks in the game and be like, ah, I can't give it to him. Um, but yeah, to me, I mean, if I'm comparing Pat Mahomes right now to some all-time greats, he is Aaron Rodgers. I think in terms of talent, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to do it. Obviously, he's just one of the best of all time. But the sidearm throws, the off-platform throws, uh, and while still maintaining that accuracy, is incredible. And that's something that Aaron, that Rodgers and Mahomes have in common. The difference is Mahomes has that clutch gene like Brady has. or ha- uh, I'll still say has. I won't say had because Brady's always going to have that clutch gene regardless if he's retired or not now. But like, yeah, Pat Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers. If Rodgers had success in the playoff level and winning Super Bowls, Um, which is a wild thing to say, but 
Um, again, Pat Mahomes, not my goat. I put out my list of things that need to accomplish for me to even consider him to be the goat, but, um, he's top three all time right now. And you can debate a wall if you don't think so. Um, couple other thing with the chiefs. Um, we got to talk about their wide receivers, two, three, four, um, they showed up in this one, and what Cam and Keegan and I talked about on Friday's episode was someone else on this Chiefs team outside of Rice, Kelsey, Pacheco need to show up, need to help out, and all three of them did in the big spots. Now, MVS did have that really bonehead run-back play, but he showed up. He scored a touchdown. Um, but Hardman, MVS, Watson, they combined for 131 yards and two TDs. Uh, and that's huge. And that, that is the difference maker in this game is these weapons did show up. Cause a lot of the times, again, we're talking about the chiefs having a down year during the season. If of some of those receivers that they had, I mean, Kadarius, Tony didn't even play. He was a healthy scratch, but if those receivers, including Tony weren't so ass during the season, the Chiefs probably would have been 14-3. and three. No one would have batted an eye. They would have been the one seed, and all of this would have just been on par for what they did. But it took the playoffs for these guys to show up, um, and they did. And they are the—those three guys are the reason the Chiefs won the game. Aside from the defense, obviously, Marquez Valdez-Scanning, Mikol Hardman, Justin Watson— are the reason this Chiefs offense was able to move the ball down the field. Wild to say, and I know that Travis Kelsey had a big game and Rishi Rice did do his thing, had some big moments, but without those three guys on the Chiefs, they do not win. With that being said, they are all still bums and wide receiver fours at best in this league right now, so they probably all won't be on the Chiefs next year. They need to upgrade that wide receiver uh, spot, but... um. Yeah, shout out to them. They, those three guys had more yards than Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle in the game, and that is big. That is very, very big. Um, anything else from the Chiefs? One more thing about the Chiefs here. Um, Harrison Butker, one of the best kickers in football, definitely right now, but... He deserves a shout-out because he was also magnificent in this one. But his season, though, 45 of 46, 95.7%, was 15 of 15 and 40-plus, 7 of 7 from 50-plus, 46 of 46 on extra points. He had two 50-plus field goals in the Super Bowl, including the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. That was 57 yards. Um, Yeah, another probably deserved MVP candidate is Harrison Butker. He came up clutch. I mean, two 50-plus yard field goals is fantastic. But at the end of the day, Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl is a team thing. I know that a lot of people conflate it with quarterbacks and greatness. And obviously, yeah, the greats do win more Super Bowls than the others. That's why I don't think that Pat Mahomes needs eight Super Bowls to pass, pass Brady's greatness. He just needs enough of them plus of all the other accolades. But again, I still think it's not going to happen. It's a long ways away, lots of careers left, and we'll get to talk about that probably every season until the rest of time now. So, woo. Um, Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's 
left for uh, actually obviously Kelsey big game came up big went on the stage you have your right to party awesome he's a big meathead we all love him and him and Taylor had his moment it was very nice but it was the videos after of Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey being all cute and then Jason Kelsey walking behind him in a Chiefs luchador mask with his Chiefs overalls on just almost stumbling into a bush. Um, he had a fun time. He is very happy for his brother. Um, I'll be interested to see what the both of them do um, do for this offseason. Because both have contemplated retirement, but we don't officially know yet. Um, and obviously Travis Kelsey, I mean, his playoff run is just imp- in- like incredible. The Chiefs are one of those teams where as long as they make the playoffs and they have Pat Mahomes and Kelsey is still there and Andy Reid is still there, they will be a very, very good team regardless. I mean, even if they change coaches and Travis Kelsey leaves, I'm sure that Pat Mahomes will find a way, but that is a topic for when that eventually happens. Um, Until then, let's move on to the 49ers at this point. Um, Nick Bosa is officially 0-2 during Black History Month. Uh, he was very disappointed after the game for that reason and that reason alone. But this Niners team, did they blow it? Not really. Was Did a lot of things not go in their way? Yes, but that is the Chiefs and the Mahomes voodoo, like the Pats and the Brady voodoo. They made a deal with the devil, and we all just have to live with it right now. Um... Yeah, Kyle Shanahan has now blown a 10-plus lead in all three Super Bowls that he has coached in. Um, And I guess we'll just kind of start off with the Shanahan stuff, because that is the big overarching theme of this Super Bowl, is Shanahan can't win the big one. He's a choker. I mean, his players didn't even know the OT rules, and we'll get into that stuff, because that's a whole other topic about Shanahan, but... How old Kyle Shanahan? I don't even know how cool old Kyle Shanahan is. Let's just say he's in his mid-40s right now. Realistically, he's probably going to coach in this league for another 20-plus years. He is very good at what he does on the offensive side of the ball. He has been this close, razor-thin, to winning multiple Super Bowls right now. Um, But it just hasn't happened. And I saw a post recently where it's like Andy Reid and his... He went on a four-year stretch where he went uh, NFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, Super Bowl loss, and then it took him until 2019 to win his first Super Bowl. And Kyle Shanahan, Super Bowl loss, NFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, Super Bowl loss. Um, And then it's like, will he win one? But again, that will be in another 15 years, and... I don't know if Kyle Shanahan does need a new change of scenery. I don't even think we're talking about that at this point. His seat is not hot whatsoever, but sometimes people do just need to separate at some point. I'm not saying now, I'm not saying this offseason or even next offseason, but sometimes it's just both teams need a change. And I do think that Kyle Shanahan will win a Super Bowl at some point, whether it be as a head coach or or, or, or an offensive coordinator. But uh, he is still young, very young in terms of NFL coaches, and he should still be around for another two decades, which is 
honestly crazy to think of guys like Shanahan and Sean McVay, maybe Mike McDaniel, but like those young 40-year-old coaches is we are going to be watching this kind of same pool of guys get recycled for probably the next 20 years, and Shanahan is one of the good ones. But um, he obviously had his mistakes in this one, and one of them being the overtime rules. Obviously, the season overtime rules and the NFL playoff rules are different in the regular season. If you go down and score a touchdown, the other team doesn't even get a chance at the ball back. Playoffs is different. If you go down and score a touchdown, the other team has an opportunity to match. So Kyle Shanahan decides to receive the ball because he gets the ball third in a potentially sudden death scenario. Uh, Great, but that also sounds like loser talk, playing to lose. And to make matters worse, his own team, or his own, yeah, his own team didn't even know what the rules were, uh, which is very, very bad. A lot of them were reading the rules on the Jumbotron as it came out, and Andy Reid came out, and a lot of the players came out and said, no, we have been talking strategy for months about this, and we wanted to get the ball second because, A, then you know if you need to score a touchdown to tie or score a touchdown to win the game. And Andy Reid also said after, he's like, if they would have scored a touchdown, we would have got the ball, scored a touchdown. We would have went for two because, again, why would you give the ball back in a sudden death uh, scenario when that team who scores second can just put the ball in the two-yard line and be like, okay, we're playing for the win right here and there instead of putting your defense out and just kind of like, please defense, like give us another chance to win this game. No, if you get the ball second, you are going to go for that two-point conversion. I don't know why anyone wouldn't go for the two-point conversion because you have a chance to win the game right there. You put your defense back on the field, your offense needs to get back to that two-point or in-field goal range anyways instead of, we need two yards, what's our best play? Um, So just very bad on Shanahan, very bad for the players to not understand. And even, it should have been a coaching thing, they should have had strategy talks about this, but... I don't know, like me, an NFL fan, I knew this. I knew that this was a rule that got implemented at the start of this season, I believe. Doesn't matter. Either way, I knew the rule. If you are playing the sport, you should be informed or know that there are rule changes that have happened. Uh, and the fact that some of them didn't and we're learning in real time that, oh, this is the new rule. What the fuck? Um, terrible, terrible look on all accounts, if we're being honest. Even like a lot of the vet players didn't know and... If the vets don't know, like it is, it's a coaching failure at some point. So, um, yeah, but let's just kind of talk more about the Niners and where things kind of went wrong for them. I'm feeling a sneeze coming on here. Am I going to fight through it? No, I'm (coughs) no, I am not going to fight through it. So, um, but yeah, a couple things that went wrong in this one. Obviously, um, there was the miss, missed extra point that was blocked from Jake Moody. Um, there was a botched punt. It hit off the guy's legs, and then Ray Ray McLeod couldn't recover it. Uh, also kind of a coaching thing. They went three straight, three and outs. One of those was after a Mahomes interception with lots of momentum. In those three straight, three and outs to start the second half, CMC, one carry. Brock Purdy went two for seven. Again, it's the Shanahan, it's the coaching in big spots where it's like, what are we doing? And again, big credit to the Chiefs defense again, because CMC had a good game, but 
or he had a very good game, but the Chiefs bottled him up for the most part. Like he was their only weapon. No one else really mattered. Uh yeah. Um Yeah, there was a lot of things that went wrong and things could have been different. I mean, if they make that extra point, the game's over. It didn't really matter. The Chiefs would have needed a touchdown to win. Um the Sorry, getting getting some texts here. But um Yeah, and then that I don't know where I'm kind of going with this, but either way, the the Niners just flat out got outplayed. They got outcoached. Um but they did they had the game. The game was theirs, and this wasn't a situation like, oh, the Niners lost this game, the Chiefs won it. This was very close. It was close the entire game, and it was a great game to watch. Um, Obviously, the talk about Brock Purdy right now is he can't win the big one. He's not one of the big boys, and he isn't one of the big boys. He isn't one of these generational elite talents in this league, but Brock Purdy is still a very good quarterback, and I think that he has things to learn. He is still very young uh but he's a good solid quarterback and with a very good team around him he's able to make a super bowl and maybe with a different game plan or a few different things that happen they win that game unfortunately for him the chiefs got that voodoo magic and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day um yeah uh I guess a couple things. So obviously we talked about that Dre Greenlaw injury. I think it was after the muffed, the, the muffed punt. No, they, they wouldn't have been happy about, no, they downed a punt deep into chiefs territories. Greenlaw is celebrating and he tears his Achilles out for the game. And that was a very big difference maker. Again, tearing your Achilles, celebrating a really good punt. Things that doesn't usually happen in the Super Bowl, And you know, some would say luck was a part of it, I know. Um, But yeah, so Dre Greenlaw goes out, his replacement, Oren Burks, goes in, and he gave up nine catches on nine targets and one TD and a passer rating of 134.7 yards. Losing Dre Greenlaw was a big one, a very, very big one. Uh, That again, just one of those things that just kind of didn't bounce the Niners' way. Um... But I mean, none of none of none of the big dogs really showed up other than CMC for this team. Uh, Kittle was run blocking most of the time. I thought that Niners need to get him involved when he has the ball in his hands. He is a monster and just was not involved. He did get hurt. He was banged up, so maybe that's why. I don't know when he officially got banged up. But uh, a couple guys that do get shoutouts though. Third and Jawan, Jawan Jennings, uh, future Dolphin, hopefully. Um, but he uh, he had a passing TD in this one. He had a reception TD. I mean, he was looking like he was going to be the MVP at one point in this game. Uh, but he showed up. He had a lot of crucial catches. So, like, big shout-out to Jawan Jennings. And shout-out to Chris Conley. Also had a couple catches in this one. But Chris Conley is also one of those guys who... When I first really started paying attention, paying attention to the draft, uh, Chris Conley out of Georgia, I think 6'4", ran a 4'3", and I was like, that's a dude who can just 
play. I don't know if he's really good at football, but he's fast, he's tall, put him on a football field, should work. And it did. He made a couple big catches. He was drafted by the Chiefs. Uh, but yeah, he made a couple big catches in this one, made a couple big uh, stops on special teams and downed punts. So shout out to those two, kind of the unsung heroes for this Niners team. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to be a Niners fan. And now that we are in kind of this off-season mode, um, Ayuk, his brother, went on Instagram to basically post a couple cryptic stories about how his brother wants out, doesn't want to play for the Niners anymore. Uh, his girlfriend also kind of did the same. I hate that. I don't know why if like if I was Ayuk and I was kind of in that spot to I'm in line for a big contract, like don't don't meddle family. Like that doesn't it doesn't help anybody that they posted those stories. They know he's going to make a ton of money regardless, and I'm sure he wants to stay in San Fran. I don't know why he wouldn't, but uh yeah, having your family meddle and stuff like that, I hate it. Um yeah, and the Niners, I didn't do this for the Chiefs, but uh, the Niners are kind of just, they don't have a lot of people to really bring back. A lot of it is depth. It's people like Randy Gregory and Chase Young, uh, Clellan Farrell. It's it's depth pieces, rotational guys. The core is together, and that's kind of what they care about. So maybe, I mean, you get a proper right tackle. I mean, they still need all four positions other than Trent Williams on that offensive line. Uh, you bring those rotational guys. I mean, they always find defensive linemen to come in, do their jobs. Like, this Niners team should be back, and it's the reason, I mean, actually, I'm going to save it. I'm not going to save it. I'm going to save it. Um, and then Chiefs, though, on the other side, free agency-wise, um, they're losing some big defensive hitters, potentially. Uh, Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, I think, Nick Bolton or Willie Gay or both are free agents. And those all four of those guys were very key cogs for this defense. So, but again, the Chiefs offense and their wide receivers two through four are never going to be as bad as they were this season. And this defense, it was fantastic. One of the best defensive runs in Super Bowl history, arguably, they're also probably never going to be that good again. But if they if very good defense drops to like a top 10 defense instead of like top 3 and this offense that was like top 15 moves up back into the top 10, the Chiefs are still going to be really good regardless. It doesn't really matter what happens. Chiefs are the Chiefs. It is what it is. Um and I guess last note up here for the 49ers now. Um the Niners have made eight conference championship games since 95. That is the third most in that time. Uh, the other five teams to have made six-plus championships, uh, championship games have each won two-plus Super Bowls. Obviously, the Niners have won zero. That is tremendous bad luck, if you ask me. Um, maybe next year. Maybe next year, San Fran. Uh, it's tough, though. It's tough, but thankfully... You play in the NFC, but the NFC is getting better. This would have been the year. This would have been the cakewalk year, but the NFC is getting better. They're getting younger, uh, so we will see. I guess last Super Bowl note here is Usher, the halftime show. I enjoyed it. I didn't know really what to expect. Obviously, Usher hasn't put out anything relevant in a few years, but I forgot how many like low-key bangers Usher 
did have, and it's kind of nice being in this age range now where the, like my age range, let's just say 25 to 35 is the target demographic for the Super Bowl right now. And they're going to be getting acts from my childhood and things that we kind of grew up listening to. And I'm excited. Again, didn't expect Usher to have a great show and it wasn't really like one of these spectacle performances, but it was fun. He was on roller skates. He was really, really sweaty. So good job, Usher. Um, And yeah, that'll do it for the Super Bowl recap. And we welcome to the 2024 offseason right now. The Bears are on the clock at first overall. The Commanders have 80 plus million in cap space. The Saints have minus 80 million in cap space. The Nasty Man has a $64 million cap hit. Chris Jones is a free agent. And the Niners are the Super Bowl favorites for next year. Should be the Chiefs. I don't know why it's the Chiefs, but it is what it is. Um, we are here. And yeah, so now, now obviously without a ton to really talk about offseason-wise, I will be going back to one episode a week. Should just be on Wednesdays, but it's going to be one episode a week Regardless, uh, this was a great year. This was a great season. I am sad that it's over. I think my next episode, I will be talking about uh, where I went wrong, where I went right in the NFL season, and maybe start talking about some some draft stuff. The Combine is coming up, because that's the thing. The NFL offseason, it's never really dull. We got, I mean... We got the combine, we got the draft, we got free agency, and then we're right in the preseason, and I will be doing some rankings, that be quarterback, I got the Hall of Very Good to think about. So we got a lot to talk about this offseason, and I am very excited. Thank you for sticking around, thank you for listening this season, and if you've liked this, please like, share, retweet, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and until next time, peace.